when was the last time you saw somebody that wrote and sang and did everything themselves? You know, mm. it doesn't happen that way. When you co-write, say you co-write with two other people, now you've got three people pushing that song out into the world. When you write by yourself, you're in your room trying to push that song out by yourself. So mm. co-writing, it opens doors in the industry. Every publisher will tell you, I find my writers, my new writers, because they're writing with the writers I already have. And they tell me about this writer and I go, oh my gosh, those are good songs they're writing. I got to sign this person. So it really doesn't matter what you want to do. Being a better co-writer is going to help you. I personally hook up members that they'll write me and say, hey, I'm looking for like a great lyricist for this kind of thing. And I'll hook them up when I can too. So yeah, it's not that hard. It's just a matter of jumping in the pool and be willing to make a few mistakes early on. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with the one and only Clay Mills. So Clay is a 16-time ASCAP hit songwriter, two-time Grammy nominee. He's had over 150 major artist cuts, penned five number one hits, six top five singles, uh, 12 top 40 singles, and he's even been inducted into the Mississippi Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2022. Pretty amazing. <laughs> He's written hits for artists like Darius Rucker, Diamond Rio, Kimberly Locke. And you know, in addition to you know doing this for himself personally and really providing huge value to, to these artists with his songs, he's also really been an amazing advocate for songwriters' rights. And he's co-founded a community called songtown.com, which helps songwriters come together and work on their craft and you know collectively nurture what it is that we're doing with this creative creative ability to generate songs together as a community so that's kind of a long-winded way of saying he is the real deal as it relates to songwriting and i'm really excited to have him on the podcast today to share some of the lessons that he's learned around how do you tap into who you are to be able to create songs that resonate with you and resonate with a wider audience so clay thank you for taking the time to be here today yeah, man, it's great. I haven't seen you in a couple of years or actually probably since before COVID. So it's great to catch up with you again and be a part of this community today. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. I think since the last time we talked, your setup is upgraded. It's kind of gone to the next <laughs> level. Like the DSLR setup looks great. You're just jamming out on your piano beforehand. Who knows? Maybe yes. the next time we do this or you know, maybe five years from now, we'll be able to actually play piano in sync with each other and like perform and do stuff at the same time. That'd be pretty cool. That would be great for writing. You know, when I do so much writing on Zoom and we're like one person plays and then the other person plays, like it would be great to be able to play together, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it seems like we're approaching technology where that might be possible. What is it like right now? You need special software, but it's not quite there yet. What is the yeah. current status of that for like using a tool for songwriting? What's like the industry standard if you want to do some co writing sessions? Honestly, we're just writing on standard Zoom. It's no, there's no special deal going on for, you know, there may be for 
if you're a recording studio, I know they have technology so someone can be remote and be recording live, but really for songwriters, we're, you know, zooming it all the way right now. So. Mm. Yeah, it does seem like Zoom is sort of the industry standard for all kind of video conferencing, but yeah, yeah who knows? Maybe at some point we'll be able to have live in sync yeah, productions like that'd be pretty cool. All right. Well, Clay, to kick things off, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story of kind of of creating Songtown and as it relates to become a songwriter, how did you go from where we all start out, which is basically from scratch, from nothing, to being able to network and connect with, you know, some of these you know, multi-platinum artists? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that at the end of this year because I just did a podcast on our Songtown podcast about what it's going to take to cut through the noise in 2024. And mm. I think a lot of times as writers and artists, we look at successful people and we go, oh, I've got to do what they're doing. And mm. we forget that they've been doing it for a while and they've got tools that we don't all have when we're starting out. They've got the money, they've got the connections. So I just kind of went back and looked at my own career and talked to some of my friends about what it was that helped them break through as artists and writers. And it all came down, you know, I asked Mark Bright, he's a producer, produces Shakira, he's produced Carrie Underwood, just a ton of big acts. He was my first publisher. I said, why did you sign me? I didn't have any hits. You know, I just sent you my home demo tape. And he said it was because you had something unique to say. You were different than everything else out there. Now, that wasn't to say that I was completely out of the genre. What I did would work within the genre, but I had my own unique voice. I brought my own style to it. That publishing deal lasted a few years. I did not have any hits. Mark Bright, he knew I was talented, but I had a long way to go. So my second publisher, after EMI promptly dropped me, said that I called him the other day and said the same thing. Why did you sign me? He said the same thing to me. He was like, you had something different that none of my other writers had. And mm -hmm. so I, I started talking to some friends of mine who were successful artists, successful writers. And we really all came to this conclusion that you've got to develop your own voice. And especially going into the new year in 2024 with AI, which can be a, a useful tool, there's a danger that people are falling into that so much of music is sounding alike now. Mm. You know, we can go onto YouTube and hear someone all the way across the world and it influences us. It's harder to just be your own thing anymore. So, with AI going on and people are telling you, oh, you don't write your own lyrics. Well, AI will write them for you. Well, you got to remember AI is writing the lyrics for a lot of other people now. So mm. it's becoming more and more important, even if you use those tools to really, if you're into songwriting, if you want to be an artist that writes your own songs, to become a killer songwriter, to develop your own voice, even if you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm, you know, my skill will be prompting AI. Well, if you don't know songwriting skills at a high level, you're not even going to know how to prompt it. 
You know, mm -hmm. you're not going to know that, well, I need the, the fifth word to rhyme, but it, it doesn't need to be an accented syllable. You, you'll just be like total lost when you're coming to AI. So if you want to use AI as a tool, great, but man, you've got to, you can never get away from having your own voice. It is the only thing that will make you stand out in a crowd, whether you want to be an artist or whether you want to be a writer, you know, in January and February at Songtown, we do these master classes where we teach writers to level up their songwriting. Artists, I'm trying to think who all has gone through these classes. We've had number one pop writers like Sarah Davis. If you listen to her big hit with Gail, they met in Songtown, huge song, biggest song of the year last year, ABCDEFU. They, hmm. they employ all the, the techniques that Sarah learned in our classes. It's just real important to get the fundamentals down. I mean, you can write a song and pour your heart into it, but if your technique's off, if your fundamentals are, you know, trash, then you're just, that song's not going to do anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And case in point with ABCDEFU, Gail was posting regularly on her social media, getting her music out there. It took a special song that resonated with people. Then overnight, her socials blew up. She wasn't working and working to build great socials so that she could have a career. She had one song that resonated with millions of people, billions of listens, and that song blew up everything for her. You know, and I think a lot of times it's important to build your social media. It's important to do, you know, and to work through all those other steps. But at the end of the day, you've also got to have a great song. If you don't have a great song, it's not going to happen. And that's what we try to do with Songtown is build tomorrow's best songwriters. We have number one, Lee Starr wrote a number one country song. We have number one bluegrass songs, pop songs. You know, our writers are kicking ass and it's because they're learning to write songs the right way. And, I, and I'm not saying a formula. They're learning to write songs that are technically sound and developing their own unique style. You know, then mm -hmm. I think if you do that, man, that's a long-winded answer, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so good. I was just like, I want to let this one roll out. This is fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah there, there's, there's so many... Uh, gold mines to what you just shared. I mean, one of the things that comes to mind is just around your overall business strategy and just how important the product is. Mm -hmm. And like when you have a good product, then you know, marketing, it's like marketing can do so much, but like it needs to, there needs to be a good product behind it. You know, the marketing yeah. kind of take in some ways it takes care of itself. You know, if you have a good product, it's at least it will make it significantly easier to market when yeah, you, you got to have both. Yeah. You know, and and people say to me all the time, they go, well, listen to that song that's number one right now. It, it It's not a great song. And yeah, that does happen. But I guarantee you that artist, it took a great song to break them. You know, hmm. once once you're and even if you're an established artist, I mean, I can't see I can't see Taylor Swift or Beyonce putting out a couple of bad songs and keeping their career going. I mean, they hmm. have to constantly deliver quality music so i think you got to have both but you're right it makes the marketing a hell of a lot easier 
Can we say that word on here? <laughs> it makes it a lot easier if you well, have a great song. Your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know um, this was a kid's show. <laughs> you, you can say whatever you want. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. And then the other thing that you touched on that I think is you know extremely important right now in the age of AI, and you were still like so early on, it's been like about a year, a little over a year since ChatGPT blew up. And it's come a long ways already. It's taken the world by storm. Number one company in the whole world, fastest growing company of all time. Yeah. And you brought up such a great point around how important it is to develop your own voice. And, you know, if everyone is using this tool and, it, you know, we're just kind of using the default settings that, that it has for it, then it's like, okay, it's all literally the exact same thing. Right. And what came to mind was this analogy of, like with any tool, let's say that you have a chainsaw. Well, you know, just because you have a chainsaw, it's incredibly powerful, but you need to know how to use the thing and mm -hmm. you need to know what you're trying to create with it. Like if all you do is right. you have a chainsaw, you can just you can do a lot of stuff with it, but it's not until you actually have a vision of you know, what's the out, what are you looking to actually create and what's you know, essentially what's your voice like you're describing, you can actually use that as a tool to help create that. I mean, it seems like that's something, you know, like we shouldn't neglect AI by saying, like, oh, like it's, you know, right. it's taking away the, all of the creative aspects of what we can do with it. The same way that, I don't know, using a chainsaw to carve a wood sculpture doesn't necessarily mean that it's any less valid of an mm -hmm. outcome or, you know, the thing that you create. Um, but it is important to kind of develop that core voice or that, that point that you're looking to make. Yeah, develop your point of view, develop your style. Your, I mean, gosh, there's so much we could talk forever about AI. But just for anyone listening, don't let AI take away your ability to express yourself. There's nothing more important in this world than human than the human voice. To, to you know, Sting says songwriting is the soul's work. You know, and AI does not have a soul yet. Maybe it will one day. So just keep in mind that what's going to propel you as an artist, as a writer, is overcoming your limitations, struggling your story of how you, I mean, you know, coaching artists, your story is hugely important. Do you want mm -hmm. your story to be, well, sat down and told AI to, you know, make this song a little sad. <laughs> it's like, I mean, who cares? I can go mm. on the internet and find a robot hitting a golf putt from 50 yards away and it will make it every time. Mm. It, it's not about perfection. That's not what, you know, we want to see a, a great golfer out there overcoming his limitations and doing something incredible. And so remember with music, it's got to come from the heart. If you're in it just for the money, you're not going to sustain a long career. I, you know, everyone I've ever worked with has come at it from my passion side. We walk into a writing room and we have an idea we're passionate about writing. And yeah, you can use AI as a tool, but just don't let it take away your voice. Don't let it take away what makes, you know, it might take you a little longer to get there. Maybe to, today you're not a lyric writer and AI can come up with something halfway. I don't know. I've yet to see it yet. But <laughs> I've, I mean, I've played around a good bit 
with AI. And sometimes, yeah, it'll throw out a line that will spark an idea. But I mean, it's kind of our job as creative people to, to express ourselves. So don't let it take away your voice. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I love this conversation. I think it's really important right now in the era that we're at to not lose touch with you with know who what we it, are. what it's done, Michael. It's raised the level of mediocrity way up, and so mm. now, and I, how can I say that a little clearer? It's now made it possible for you to sit at home in your home studio and create something and upload it to Spotify and your friends will go, wow, that sounds like a hit. But it's like driving a Rolls Royce off the assembly line that doesn't have an engine in it. It looks like a hit. It sounds like a hit, but it isn't really because you haven't learned the mechanics that, that go inside that song yet. You haven't figured that part out. So everyone now can sit at home with plugins and auto-tune and create something that sounds like a hit and upload it to Spotify. But there are a hundred, what, a hundred thousand songs now a day uploaded to Spotify. So if you don't rise above that level of mediocrity, that's now at a high level, you know, if you don't rise even higher, then you don't have a shot. So that's my goal for songwriters in 2024 Everyone in Songtown, I'm helping them find their voice and helping them raise their game so that they can stand out above that that just average, you know, noise that's out there. Hmm. That's such a well articulated way of, of putting that. Just like that base level noise has risen. And I mean that's yeah. something to be expected. It's at a pretty with. high level, yeah. Yeah, like it was even before AI, like it was, it was starting to be easier to share and distribute and create stuff. And now it's, you, you can do it, it just in such a leveraged way that I think you're to totally right that there's this baseline has, has raised and learning how to cut through the noise and how to actually go from good to great is even more important, which makes yeah. you know, the things that you teach and the community so valuable. Having you know, both been through you know, your entire life journey of becoming a songwriter. And also now at this point, working with, you know, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of artists who have been impacted by your work now. What have you found? Like, what's the biggest thing that gets in the way? What's the biggest cha challenge that they have as it relates to cutting through the noise and sort of you know, finding their voice? I would say mistakes in songwriting. I mean, you, you can get away with a certain amount of mistakes, but it's like this. Uh, in football, if the quarterback drops back to pass and his footwork is all messed up, he's not going to throw an accurate pass. So mm -hmm. I hear so many songs. I heard a song the other day, major label, brand new artist. There's all this hype about her. I won't say who it is. Every line of her song started, every vocal line started on the same note. Now. Mm -hmm. In the chorus, it started on the same note and would go higher than the verse. And But it, it's little things like that where you have zero contrast in your song are starting mm. every vocal line on the same beat of the bar. That's another mm. one that happens. Having the, Not having enough contrast between sections. I have a, if anybody wants to email me, Clay at Songtown, I'll send you my contrast checklist for melody any you guys listening today i'll send that out to you it's basically i think the biggest thing is people don't know enough they haven't learned enough that they're making mistakes 
that keep their song from taking off. It's like a big weight that weighs the song down. And I could list so many of them, but it's, yeah. I mean, I would just say that. The other thing is not being clear. You know, it used to be you could be very cryptic in your lyrics. You know, I'm thinking of early Coldplay and even before that, in the 60s, where you had all the LSD drug songs and who knows what Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds really meant. But <laughs> today, because there is so much noise, you have to be a great communicator and your songs have to communicate clearly what's going on musically and lyrically. And I don't think that was such a big concern, you know, for us writers in the past. But yeah, that's another thing is learning clear communication. That's super interesting. Yeah, I mean, what comes to mind as it relates to clear storytelling and like really well uh, constructed narratives and points for songs is like the country genre. It seems like there's at the root pop, of a lot of country songs. Our pop too. I mean, you know, pop, it, not so much stories in pop, but clear communication about what the singer is saying. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. That's sort of, that's become more and more important over time as well. So as it relates to what you're describing around, like, it sounds like part of what you're describing is like one of the biggest challenges and mistakes is just the, what you don't know, what you don't know kind of thing. And so, you know, when you don't know what you don't know, that seems like that's when it's particularly important to surround yourself with people that can give you feedback and that can kind of help you point out those things that maybe you're not aware of that, you know, for someone who's listening to it, who's experienced can just like see it immediately and kind of create that aha moment. So I would love to hear your recommendations as it relates to finding the right co-writing relationships and partners and how do you start establishing those relationships and find, you know, find people that are good fit for you, that you become good, like mm-hmm. co-writing partners. Where do you start with that process? Um, well, just like I said, Gail and Sarah Davis met in Songtown. We have a huge community of songwriters. They're constantly working together. They're supportive of each other. I've had other people. We've had one of my classes I did, two of the writers met. They just had three number ones in Australia. I mean, it's so many of our members have met, co-written, gotten songs and TV shows for sync. It's not that hard. The thing is finding that right co-writer. And so I think really, just from my own experience finding co-writers, Somebody said you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find a prince. You, know, <laughs> you, you go back, you know, fairy tales. And, and it's kind of like that. Like you're gonna in the beginning write with some people and it won't go well, you know, and you just got to kind of write through that. And then eventually I literally have not had a bad co-write in years. I, I have learned to be able to show up on any day with any writer and get the the best I can out of that room. And I think that's just a skill. I have a, a book on Amazon. If you look up my name, you'll it's a whole book on co-writing. And I, I'm so glad you brought that subject up because hardly anybody talks about that. You know, I have a book on melody writing and it flies off the Amazon shelf. I have a book on co-writing and it does like a tenth of the business because 
nobody really wants to study how to be a good co-writer, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm surprised you asked me that. And it's co-writing, I would say, is probably the biggest skill that's going to make you happen as a writer, as an artist, because when was the last time you saw somebody that wrote and sang and did everything themselves? You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen that way. When you co-write, say you co-write with two other people, now you've got three people pushing that song out into the world. When you write by yourself, you're in your room trying to push that song out by yourself. So mm. co-writing, it opens doors in the industry. Every publisher will tell you, I find my writers, my new writers, because they're writing with the writers I already have. And they tell me about this writer and I go, oh my gosh, those are good songs they're writing. I got to sign this person. So it really doesn't matter what you want to do. Being a better co-writer is going to help you. If you find Songtown, we help our, you know, I personally hook up members that they'll write me and say, hey, I'm looking for like a great lyricist for this kind of thing. And I'll hook them up when I can too. So yeah, it's not that hard. It's just a matter of jumping in the pool and be willing to make a few mistakes early on. Hmm. That's so valuable to hear that your know, co-writing, it's interesting too, that, that co-writing doesn't necessarily get the same initial like, excitement. People are like, Oh, like co-writing, like yeah. that's the thing that they're looking for. <laughs> but that's also the thing that like, that they really need or the thing that really provides yeah. the most value. And gosh, there's so many good things that happen. I mean, you could look at what we're doing right now as a form of like co-writing, you know, in a mm -hmm. different, a different vertical. Right. But there, there's something really powerful about bringing two people together and you're know, coming together for a shared purpose. And I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, but I've certainly had this experience with writing songs where it's like, I'm writing a verse or a lyric and I get stuck on a particular phrase or word for like an hour or two. And, you know, if you were in a room with two other songwriters, then issues like that, just immediately they're like, oh, like this one sounds great. Or, oh my gosh, like that was it. That was the one. And it really seems like there's sort of this uh, energy flow that happens when it's, you're not just you know containing it all and bouncing it around your own mind, but you can actually let the energy flow freely between the other people in the room. Yeah. And you got stuck on a line and someone else came up with a way to solve that problem. And then now you've seen how they solved it. And now that becomes part of your vocabulary. And mm -hmm. so you're learning from your co-writers as you're writing and they're learning from you. I wrote with Tia Siller. She's a Grammy winning lyricist. I wrote with her for about two years and I learned so much just through osmosis. And I later went on to like write some melody and lyrics for artists like Darius Rucker. I don't think I would have been able to nail the lyric side of those co-writes with Darius if I had never written with Tia Sillers. I mm -hmm. literally learned, oh, that's what a good lyric writer is. So I think not only do you have the benefit of, you know, yeah, you don't get stuck as often when you're writing with other people, but I think you learn from your co-writers. And I always try to surround myself with better co-writers. You know, I, I hope that I can show people a trick or two, but I also want to learn something at the same time. Mm. 
Yeah, it seems like such a humble and a good mindset to take when it comes to like entering a room with other songwriters that you're there to contribute and you're there to learn and you're open minded. So that kind of the question that brings me to is, you know, knowing that this process of co-writing and building relationships is so important. What are the things that your artist can do to be an amazing co-writer and to, you know, to set up those sessions so that they can provide the most value and that they can you know, create a space where magic can happen. Yeah. Understand what your writing skills are. So if you're a singer and you're great at coming up with melody, you need to find a great lyricist to work with. You don't need another great melody person because you've got that covered. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you want to write with a track guy that can build a track while you're doing it. If you're a track person, Maybe you need to find that great vocalist to work with, you know? Hmm. So it's all about building teams where your skills complement each other. And you're not, if everybody in the room, if I have three people in a room and we're all good at one thing, then hmm. there, there's not going to be, I might as well be writing it myself. And then there's those kind of writers that excel at one thing. And then there's people like myself that I've developed into a utility person, like a baseball player that can play any position in the infield. So I'll show up one day if I'm writing with an artist, I may need to write lyrics. Another day I may need to write melody. Another day I may need to do both. Another day I might need to do the track. I've developed those skills over time. So either you're going to be a utility person or you're going to have, if you're really strong at one area, be honest with yourself. And if you're strong at lyrics, but your melodies are boring, then write with a great melody person, you know, and that that's your job is putting the teams together and sync. If you're going for sync placements, then you really need to have a producer in the room, a vocalist in the room and, you know, whatever else you need, but you got to have those two things in the room because at the end of the day, you've written a song, you've got to have a track with a vocalist so that you can pitch it because sync, you need finished, productions quickly so yeah it's just all about building the right teams you know and i I think early on you might go oh well i really enjoy writing with this person but we don't really get great songs so my rule is you have to have either someone you really enjoy writing with and you feel like one day you're going to get great songs or you've got to have somebody that you just get great songs with, and it doesn't matter if you get along with them or not. I mean, I've had situations where personally didn't hang out with people and didn't really care about being their best friend, but we wrote great songs together. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters. And then I've had other people where, man, I just loved hanging out with them. We got along. We weren't getting cuts, but Four years into it, we started getting cuts, you know, and I think that positive energy, you know, we found a way to to come up with the good songs in the end. So you either got to get along great with a person or you got to have a great product at the end of the day. If it sucks writing with somebody and the songs suck, then hit the eject button <laughs> and bail. <laughs> mm. awesome. And that's hard. A lot of people go, how do I tell a co-writer no? I mean, it's your freaking career. You got one life. And are you going to tell me you're going to waste today and one day a month or one day a week writing with somebody that 
that you don't get along with and you're not getting great songs with because <laughs> you're afraid mm. to tell them you can't write with them anymore. I mean, mm. yeah, that's a great lesson. The analogy that came to mind as you're describing the value of identifying your genius zones and like the parts that you're really strong at, maybe the areas of weakness or that aren't really your, your skill set. It's sort of like, you know, playing a, a piano and if everyone was really good at the exact same thing, it'd be sort of like just playing the same note. Yeah. So like the idea of like, we're all, if we all do the exact same thing, it'd be like just in unison playing the same note. Whereas if you have people that have different skill sets, it's sort of like it can harmonize. Mm -hmm. And so like when you put it together, it's a much more like, you know, it has a lot more depth to it or more harmony because you're not all doing the exact same thing. But when you come together, you kind of create this, this chord that, that comes in from it. In terms of setting up like a daily rhythm or just like practice, you know, like practice, like, like anything worth doing, you know, you need to get your repetitions in. And if you want to get it good at shooting free throws, then you can't just go to the free throw line and shoot one basket every month. You know, you can't just write one song yeah. every year if you're expecting to really hone that in. What would you recommend for most people as it relates to if you're a musician, if you're a songwriter, like this is at the core of what you do it's like your product it's incredibly important to to get really good at it mm. what do you recommend as like a practice and in terms of habits like how, how can someone really maximize their time to improve and provide value to their community and get the most yeah just get the best out of their time yeah i have a whole thing i worked out one time i gave a, a talk for somebody where there's this 80-20 principle. I don't know if you, you're familiar with it, but mm. basically what it says, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, whether you're running a business, whether you're being creative, that you get 80% of your progress from 20% of what you're doing. Mm. And 80% of what you're doing is only giving you 20% progress. So mm. the trick is to figure out what are those things that you're doing that are going to move you forward, you know, at the quicker pace. Mm. So for me, that's what I try to do, especially this time of the year, when I'm thinking about my goals for next year, I'm looking and I'm going, okay, what are the things I'm doing that I feel like over this past year have paid off? And what are the things I feel like I'm just wasting time? And I really try to each year pare that down to where I'm focusing on things that are just going to give me the maximum progress. And so I think that's like the Pirelli principle. I'm trying to remember the, uh, the name the of Pareto, the Pareto, maybe Pareto, Pareto principle. Yes, the Pareto principle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's one of the cornerstone uh, concepts, I think for all of us, because we all have the same amount of time in the day, but like what we do yeah. with that limited time is what makes the difference. And I think the more you can not waste time, the better. And I don't mean just staying busy. Like there's a certain point I found myself, I was just busy all the time, but I wasn't mm. doing something that was really going to help me. And mm. so I think finding out, and now I have a routine. I get up in the morning. I find for me, I'm most creative early in the morning. So I'm coming up with song ideas. I'm sitting down at the piano. Even before I do anything, I'm sitting down at the piano, I'm coming up or guitar coming up with song ideas that I can take later that day to writing sessions and complete. And so that that's kind of a pattern I've fallen into. 
And then I also make a habit. I used to feel like I was always, say you're in a dentist office. I just was in a dentist chair a couple of days ago and there's music playing. Well, you mm. could go, oh, I hate this elevator music. It, it, this is just crap, you know, like, can't they put something good on? Or I can spend my time and go, wow, that's a really cool snare sound on this song. Or I like what they did with the chorus. They actually went from the first chorus to a bridge and just skipped the second verse. You know, I'm constantly looking no matter what I'm listening to, is there something I can use? Because mm. I don't want to spend that whole time in the dentist chair not getting anything from that experience except a drilled tooth, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm actually looking for things I can use in my own songwriting. And so just things like that where you're making the most out of every second of your day. You know, Stephen King, great author, he said that he reads five to six hours a day and you're going, well, how do you write if you're reading that much? And he's like, if I'm sitting in the doctor's office, I'm reading, you know, he's like, hey, if I'm in a car, I'm listening to books on tape and mm -hmm. you have to constantly be feeding that inspiration. And so I'm maximizing my time. If I can, I'm listening to music and I don't ever put up a wall and go, oh, get play something else. I'm trying to. How can I use this and take something valuable out of this experience? Because I, I don't want to waste three minutes of my life listening to a song. And I don't always find something I can use, but my brain is looking for it all the time. Man, that is such a valuable mindset. Yeah, and I've heard that reflected in you know, most of my mentors and, and people that are successful, that they have a, a similar mindset around like, curiosity being one of their main values or principles kind of drives them is just the sense mm -hmm. of curiosity and being curious and having that mindset you just shared, like it, it requires a, a certain level of being humble or being open and being willing to learn. And it does seem like that's just you know, such a, such an important life value to develop is the ability to be open-minded and to learn and to grow. There's been a lot of science and studies that have shown around like the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset and uh, something. And, you know, you yeah. could really, uh, sorry for interrupting you, but this is another danger of what we're living in. You can literally wake up mm -hmm. any day and turn on the news and just find a barrage of negativity coming at you. It will mm -hmm. kill your creativity. Mm -hmm. If you, I tell people, my students, if you got to listen to news, do it at the end of the day. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't let it ruin your creative day because there's literally, if you go on social media, on your Instagram, maybe you put up a song and people are trolling you. It, there's mm -hmm. so much negativity out there that the only way to be creative and grow as an artist is going to be staying open. That's the only way. If you mm -hmm. already know everything, if you already have all, if you're opinion-based, and I hate this, or I love this, and, and it's all based on opinions, you're not going to grow. But if you're open, like you're saying, that's huge. Mm. Yeah, that's a, a really important, yeah, I think, relationship that all of us as, as humans, but especially as creators, have to learn you know, how to create a healthy relationship with social media and with the internet yeah. and news. You know, we're wired in some ways to just pay attention to like threats and risks. And so it makes yeah. sense that like the news, you know, leads with 
the negativity because that's what grabs our attention. And so it really does require setting up some parameters and some, you know, some boundaries for ourselves to make sure that we are engaging with it in a, in a healthy way. I know I've heard about this idea of learned helplessness with news, which basically means, mm-hmm. you know, if you spend a lot of time watching the news, specifically things that you have zero to little control over, like things that right. are happening like far away from you. And you're hearing about, wow, like this person got kidnapped and died in this state, like you know, way across. It's awful. Like it's, it's awful that Absolutely. happened. But, you know, there's a certain relationship and they call it learned helplessness. When you start, you know, perceiving a lot of you know issues and things that are happening that you can't directly control, you know, the, you know, that the serenity prayer of you know, having the, the courage to change the things you can and, you know, the serenity to accept the things that you can't and the wisdom to know the difference. Man, like that is some powerful stuff right there. And as it relates to the news, it seems like a lot of it falls into the category of like things that you can't directly control in this moment. So it does seem and like part, it's important. To, part, of your, yeah. part of your job as an artist is to voice into the world what other people can't, to voice feelings. Maybe you're saying something they wish they could say to their girlfriend or their boyfriend and they can't yet. Or they, maybe you're helping them get over loss in their life. If you feel helpless, how can you feel like you have a voice that matters? So mm-hmm. it, what you're telling me that, and I never thought about that, but that learned helplessness, it just completely destroys that artist mentality of, if I have something important I need to share with the world, you know? And Mm -hmm. if you don't feel like your voice matters in the world, then you're not going to create great art because you Mm -hmm. have to feel like I have to say this. I have to express my voice. And Mm -hmm. so that's very powerful. I never thought about that learned helplessness, but I can see that. Yeah. And then you have people like, you know, to get back to that, not only is the news media telling you you're helpless, but if you can't write lyrics, let AI write the lyrics for you. Like mm-hmm. you have this thing whispering in your ear, you know, we'll do it for you. We'll do it. We'll make it easier <laughs> for you. And so you got both sides coming at you. And so to be an artist, that's why in 2024, I told all my Songtown members, we're going to develop your voice and we're going to make it strong this year because this is the year where I think artists that that develop their own voice are going to see the biggest results. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, powerful stuff. All right. Speaking about you know, giving people a, a voice and building community, I would love to use this opportunity with the live audience here. If anyone yeah. has any uh, questions or any insights or thoughts that relate to the conversation we've been having around songwriting, and discovering your voice, I'd love to hear from you. So if you want to come on stage, you can raise your hand. So I'm looking here, I see Jared asked for, do you have any tips on how to conduct a productive virtual co-writing session or any hacks to make the most out of it? Yeah, so maybe going deeper into you know, what the conversation we had around what could be one of the most valuable you know, parts of mastering the art of songwriting, which is co-writing. Yeah. Yeah. Any other uh, lessons or or tips or best practices that can help people avoid maybe some of the common pitfalls? Yeah. So it's important to listen, but the main thing 
And this is the same whether you're on Zoom or not. But I think a lot of songwriters starting out miss this. When I get in the room and someone in the room has an idea and they play a little piece of melody or they have a title, say they throw out a title and everybody loves the title. We talk about different ways that song can go before we ever start writing it. You know, we might go, well, yeah, the first verse, you know, I threw out a title yesterday on our live session I did on YouTube. I wrote a song live and I threw out a title and then I asked the audience to start throwing in lines and lines were coming from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so then I said, okay, this is what happens when most people co-write. You're mm -hmm. talking about one story. You're talking about another story. We've got three more stories out here. So mm -hmm. in a co-write, it's important that everyone gets on the same page and whatever the idea, okay, the first verse, I hear it going like this and then the chorus and then the second verse, we could do this. And then you said about, you're all on the same page, mm -hmm. you know, and once you're all on the same page, I'm not saying it doesn't change when you get to the second verse, maybe you come up with a better idea, but at least you're all initially starting at the same starting point. And then maybe if you're writing the chorus, I might have a melody and a couple of lines of, you know, might just spit out a few lines and they may or may not work. But if they work, then maybe my co-writer goes, yeah, well, maybe the next line could be this, but we have direction. We know where we're going. You know, it's easier to get somewhere if you get in your car. It's easier to get somewhere if you know where you're going. Otherwise, you're mm. just driving around for days. And mm. I know it's hard for a lot of songwriters, you know, think, oh, I just, whatever comes to me, that's what was given to me in a gift. And it's great. But no, it's not usually going to be great that way. I'm not saying it never is. But if you're co-writing, I think it's really important that people in the room be on the same page or people on zoom be on the same page mm, got it yeah so it sounds like what you're saying is that when you're co-writing you get on the same page it's helpful to enter and get start by looking at the overall song and kind of the main structure or the main points that you're looking to make or like the outline of it before you yeah, all start so digging into it yeah so for instance on this song we were writing on youtube yesterday I threw out a title here on the other side of goodbye. So the title was the other side of goodbye. So mm. people were, you know, I'm on the other side of a goodbye. I just threw out a line and then people were like throwing out all these lines and I go, okay, well, wait a minute. The way I'm hearing it is here I am on the other side of goodbye. What if the first verse is about your ex? And she's on the other side of town. She's with somebody else. She's over it. That's her side of goodbye. But the mm. chorus is, but here on my side of goodbye, mm. you know, it's mm. all. And then you, the chorus, you describe how you feel. And mm. so that's what I mean. Once I said that to the audience, then they're like, oh, and the lines started coming in a direction that I could go, oh, that's a cool line. Let's use this line for the second line of the chorus. But before we all got on the same page, then, then there was no you know, direction and, and the song wasn't getting written. Hmm. That's a really helpful example. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. W one thing that comes to mind, even just as you describe that 
live stream that you did where you just, you went live and you wrote the song you know, together. And I'm assuming that it was with, you know, a community of songwriters that were in the audience. Yeah. For Songtown members. Yeah. Yeah. Super valuable. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this idea. We were talking about co-writing and it'd be kind of interesting if artists, you know, did co-writing sessions and maybe they live streamed it for some of their fan community mm-hmm. where what we're doing with this podcast, you know, we have sort of our own version of a co-write, but then we have a live audience and you, know, you can ask questions, you can interact with it. But I wonder how that would work, you know, for artists, you know, if they were doing co-writing sessions, like, Hey, why don't we just both live stream this to our audiences and, you know, and do our thing and yeah. we can invite you know, maybe some of our, you know, our fans to be a part of the process or kind of witness this. What do you think yeah. about that as a strategy? There better be a good writer on the session because <laughs> otherwise you don't want to get stopped. If I, I know if I'm writing with pro writers or that, I mean, I've done that several times. In fact, on Songtown on our YouTube channel, we have done sessions where we give three hit writers a song title and they each write it and you see how they each write it differently and so but they're pros and they're used to coming up with stuff on the spot so if the writers are good then that works great if not there's a lot of time like staring around and you know so i would just say make sure there's a good ringer in the group that can carry it but yeah i think it would be a unique way for artists to show their fans a little are yeah i think that would be a you know a new form of just letting fans get to know you you know i think that's mm. a great idea we mm. do a thing in songtown where we have label artists do a class with us we call it right for a recording artist so a label artist comes on zoom we interview them they let us know what kind of songs they're looking for and then the community several hundred people go off and write a chorus and then we find the best ones and play that for the artist and then the artist co-writes that song with the member who submitted it well we've had we've actually had several singles we've had top 10 itunes singles come out of this class you know because they got a chance to write with recording artists that might be something we do sometime with your community, like put some of our writers and some of your artists together and see what they come up with in, in a writing you know, situation. Because it's, I know you guys have, you know, you mentor great artists over there. So mm. I would love that. I think it's a fantastic idea. Just in general, I think there's so much alignment in our communities. And, you know, we really focus a lot on the promotion and, and marketing side and, you know, creating offers and creating the community around their music. But I'm not like a world expert on songwriting. I know ex- how extremely valuable it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a ton of alignment and it's so, so much talent, you know, in our community that it sounds like it'd be a cool exercise. Awesome. Mm. All right. Well, hey, I see we've got Vaz who raised his hand to come on here live. So Vaz, let's bring you on here to speak. Hello. Hey, Vaz. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Vaz. Let me see if I can get the video going. There we go. Uh, thank you, Clay Mills and, and Michael. I just want to ask a question. I really, I'm really focused on 
not following convention and not following the guidelines and the rules, keep it within under five minutes, all these other type of structure type things. I do know a little bit about writing music. I've been doing it quite a long time. And, but it doesn't necessarily play to the, what's considered a hit formula. The question is, how do you as a creative songwriter balance that part of your psyche and your personal artistry with the part of commercialism? I mean, it's kind of like this pulling inside, do I just write formulatic or do I just really let it go and express myself? I know how I do it. I'm curious how you do it. Maybe even Michael could chime in on that. Yeah. Thank you, Vaz. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. That's a great, you know, I think a lot of people view there's a commercial thing and there's the artistic thing and they can't go together. They're at odds. And Mm -hmm. I've personally never seen them at odds. If I walk into a genre of music, I look at it like when I went to Japan to visit my son who was in school over there in college. If I walked into a club in Japan and started speaking English, maybe 10% of the people in there could speak back to me well. But if I had learned Japanese and started speaking Japanese, then all of a sudden my audience got wider. So I spent, I just look at it as language. If you have, we all have, you know, four minutes, say we all have four minutes. Well, Michael Jackson does something different in four minutes than you know, the Eagles or Beyonce or Justin Bieber, they're all bringing a sound that's completely different than the others to the equation. So it's about finding out how your voice fits into the public conversation. And if you're not speaking a language that anyone in the public can understand, then your voice is not fitting into that conversation. So you know, there's a certain amount of give and take, maybe. But I'm just trying to figure out how does Clay Mills fit into the conversation today? Mm. And, you know, I don't, I'm not at odds with, well, my artistic integrity says I have to write this be a five minute song. I don't get into that because I know if I write a 15 minute song, then it's probably not going to get out anywhere in the world where people are going to care about it. So I don't even go there. Now, that being said, if I was going to write a symphony, then yeah, there's a place for that. So I'm more interested in how I can fit my artistic gifts into the conversation. And I very rarely even think about it those two sides being at odds, you know, I, it just doesn't, it's not part of my DNA. I don't think like that. And I know mm-hmm. I'm every, we're all different. And I know some great artists that they've been rebels and they've done their own thing and they've been pissed off and that worked for them. Or there's been other, you know, I'm not saying you have to be pissed off to be a, a rebel artist, <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? We're all different. And so for me, I just never had that internal fight because I show up each day. I'm passionate about what I'm writing and I try to write it to the best of my ability. 
And, you know, I, I know what my goal is. My goal is to be in that conversation, to matter. I want to write a song. And, and I've been lucky to write songs that I felt like came from my heart. And millions of people have sung them around the world. I have songs that have been on radio for over 20 years that still get millions of plays. And that, that makes me feel good. I, put, I poured my heart and soul into that. I didn't feel like I compromised anywhere, you know? And so it, I just never made that mental game. Now, when I wrote in New York early in my career, I wrote TV jingles, you know, big sync placement, national sync placements. And that was more of, you know, today they want this sound. They want a dance tune today. Tomorrow they want classical. Now they want a heavy metal song. And that felt like a factory. And I got out of that. But for my soul, I fit better into songwriting in the record business. Now it's the streaming business. And, you know, I just am interested in where I fit into that conversation, where I can matter the most. Mm. Man, that is such Sorry. a powerful. Long-winded. Yeah, long-winded, but extremely valuable. Yeah, because I know like this is a question that I hear a lot because I think a lot of us kind of struggle with that idea that in, in a lot of ways, like you just presented, is sort of a false belief that they're at odds with each other, that you yeah. can't be successful commercially and like have your artistic integrity. And it sounds like what you're saying is, is kind of in line with what we've been talking throughout the whole conversation around discovering your voice and your words, even your songs and your music, the lyrics are like tools in a sense as well that are meant mm -hmm. to convey what's in your heart and your soul. Yeah. And that analogy that you shared with the different languages, such a perfect analogy for it is like, just because you, know, you learn how to communicate in the language of Japanese to communicate with everyone else, it's still like the deeper thing that you're looking to communicate hasn't doesn't necessarily change. Like you're still trying to communicate the same thing and what's authentic right. and what's true to you, just doing it in a way that actually you know, resonates that people can understand and connect with. You're old enough, probably Michael to remember who Santana, the guitar player is. Mm -hmm. Well, he was famous as just one of the world's greatest guitar players early in his career. Later in his career, he started playing on different pop albums with Rob Thomas and Lisa Loeb and people that were popular in that area. And he just went in and he didn't approach it from, well, I'm selling out and playing this commercial music. He went in and found a way that he could sound like Carlos Santana and put his heart and soul into what he was playing that day and it worked and his music, his guitar playing reached a wider audience than it ever had. And it he didn't have to give up. He's still a tremendous artist. You know, he didn't have to give up himself. He just figured out how he could walk into a recording session and do what he does on someone else's project. And so I want to figure out what I can do today if I'm writing with an artist or if I am the artist, what can I do today that's going to matter in the conversation? That, that's all it is. Mm, fantastic. Well, hey, Clay, this has been a fantastic conversation. 
yeah, super valuable. And I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be able to have a platform like this where I get to learn alongside, you know, all of the artists here in our community as well. So thank you for yeah. what you've been doing, you know, for the global music community of, of songwriters. And for anyone here who's watching this or listening to this, who would like to connect more and you know, maybe tap into this amazing you know, network that you built with Songtown, where would be the best place for them to go to dive deeper? Songtown.com. You know, we're just fixing to start a masterclass. You really should check it out. Six weeks. It'll change your life. Small classes on Zoom, 14 people in the class. And we have pro writers that are in that small room with you giving you feedback, giving you guidance on your songwriting. And so if you just Google Songtown Masterclass, you can apply for that. Like I said, limited spots, 14 in each class. So we'd love to see you in that. But either way, just hit us up at songtown.com. Awesome. Yep. And like always, we'll put the links in the show notes for easy access. But I, I personally am you know, very interested in learning more about the Masterclass. I might be one of the, yeah. the members that applies for one of those. Do it. <laughs> you'll get the professional discount <laughs> awesome <laughs> cool and i see jared just shared it here in the chat as well awesome very cool thank you jared all right well let's do a, a round of applause here for clay to say thank you for coming on to the on the podcast today uh, we'll do a final three two one yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we'll close out here of our live stream and uh, for those of you who are here in uh, Discord on stage, this is the point where if you'd like to connect and network with other artists that are here live, we have some breakout rooms available for you on the left. So you can either join breakout room one, two, or three, or the room that's associated with whichever tier you are in the artist development suite. And yeah, thanks for being a part of this. I think this is a really fantastic conversation today. So I think it's going to provide a lot of value for, for all of us as creators and as artists to really kind of hone into the, the core product that we're offering. So uh, thanks again, yeah. Clay. Yeah, appreciate it, man. And great. Thank you for what you're doing for the artists out there. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.